Welcome, science and sci-fi geeks. This is Interface to Face, the podcast that brings you interviews with some really cool people. I'm Chuck Tomasi. And I'm Craig Stepp. With all the hype around Tron Legacy, we thought we'd go to one of the internet's best-known Tron icons, Jay Maynard, a.k.a. the Tron Guy. Jay, welcome to the show. Greetings, programs. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So, tell us about yourself. Oh, boy. Well, I'm I'm, uh, right now an unemployed computer consultant. Um... And as I spend most of my time working on uh, on computers, and uh, when I when I'm not doing that, I'm I'm on the internet, and also uh, 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 I also have this costume that I made from the uh, from the movie Tron, the original movie back in '82, a costume like the ones from that movie. And uh, that became one of those things that spread across the internet. Hey, people send email to their friends. Hey, you gotta go check out this web page. Page being the one that I made of making the costume. And one thing led to another. I wound up on Jimmy Kimmel Live a bunch of times. And by now, if you've been on the internet very much at all, you've probably seen my picture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. What year was it that you originally made the costume? 2004, so it's been six and a half years now, almost seven. Have you watched it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so what What brought it on? What made you decide to, well, you know, make the Tron costume? Well, I had never been to a science fiction convention until I went to one in 2003. And there I saw the Masquerade con- Costume Contest and thought, hey, that'd be pretty neat. And the convention itself is a is not just a science fiction convention. It's called PenguaCon. It's a combination of science fiction and open source computing, mm-hmm. and I had gone there originally for the for the computing aspect of it. But I'm a science fiction fan as well, so I thought this would be pretty neat. And I saw the costume contest; said that be that might be fun to do. And it struck me that you know, being science fiction and computing, Tron being a science fiction movie about computers would be a perfect uh, source to draw from. So I spent the next year looking for things. I trolled eBay looking for Tron costume stuff and uh, found only one auction, which I won, uh, for the armor pieces of my costume. And made uh, made the rest of it up and uh, debuted it at the second PenguinCon in 2004. And it uh, it also went up on Slashdot that same weekend. One of the Slashdot uh, people was running that site uh, was a guest of honor at the, at the convention, so he... he uh, was it Commander Taco or somebody like that? Yes. I think okay. it was Commander Taco, actually. Very okay. cool. And so that it hit Slashdot, and from there it just kind of exploded. Now, if you ever showed up at DragonCon in Atlanta, you would draw a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. I know, and, and you're not the first to suggest that. I, have, I haven't managed to, to make it to DragonCon. Um, I would like to one day, but you know, it never seems to work out. It's always on that Labor Day weekend. Right. Well, you got a plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, I don't have the plane anymore. Um, oh. Yeah, it was a victim of the economy. Oh, oh I see. Good segue. Tell us about your um, your programming skills. I saw a programmer, system administrator. Can you elaborate on that? Like, languages and systems were of the same cloth? Well, basically, I, 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 can, I can and have the... Can do and have done just about anything but Windows. <laughs> um, you know, I have 
Uh, I, I like have, you. Hey, Jay, I like you even more now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a wide range of, of systems here. Uh, my main desktop is, and laptop are, are Macs, and I'm a Mac user because I'm a Unix geek. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the server that I have facing the Internet is an alpha running Linux. Cool. I have three small IBM mainframes, an AS400, a VAX, a couple of HP, an, an HP 9000, an HP 3000, and a whole bunch of other miscellaneous computers. And I can at least fumble my way through all of them. I mentioned in an email to you that I saw an interview recently with you on CNN, probably one of the iReport videos. Right. And the camera panned around your room, and with the high-def video as it is on the Internet, I went, wait, I had to pause it. And I went, wow, look at that shelf. And you, were, and you said that you had all those computers, including the first one you built. So can you tell us about that one a little bit? Yeah, that uh, that machine. If uh, if you look at that, I don't know if, if it made it in there or not, but it's uh, kind of a, 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 a blue case with a blank black faceplate with a button on the front of it. Right. That system uh, is an S one hundred machine I built in nineteen seventy nine. You built an S one hundred machine. I built an S one hundred CPM. Yep. Uh, and in fact, that system has sixty k of twenty one oh two RAM in it. <laughs> you know the computer history museum is going to come calling soon, Jay. <laughs> and That's two right. eight inch single side single density floppy drives too. So, what system did you cut your teeth on Unix? Actually, that's uh, the very first Unix box I bought was an NCR Tower XP. Uh, although that wasn't the first Unix, the first Unix system I ran. Uh, that was the first dedicated system. Before that, I was one of the few people that ran a system called Microport System 5 AT, which was a System 5 Unix on a 286. There you go. Boy, I thought I was yeah. eclectic. That, was, that system was, let's say, interesting, for, for geek values of interesting. Absolutely. Uh, so you know, that, uh, that system... Uh, I, I learned a lot about about Unix from that system. Uh, some of it not printable. But, uh, since then, I, I've had the uh, I, I've I had the tower. I've had uh, several Linux boxes, x86 and alphas. Uh, these days, um, I if it's going to face the internet, it's not going to be an x86 or x86 64 platform. The, the nice thing about running an alpha is that I don't care if some script kitty drops an Intel binary on it. Won't do you any good. That's right, and that system is actually going to be replaced in the fairly near future, and it looks like I'll be getting an Itanium to replace it. There you go. He's putting us in our place, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, and my uh, my background is in IBM mainframes. Uh, I am also the project manager of uh, of a project called Hercules, that is an IBM mainframe emulator that runs on Windows and Linux and Mac OS. That sounds cool. We ought to hook you up with Richard Green. I may well know him, just not by his name. Yeah. It's six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. It's like three on Twitter. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's, a uh, you know, I've been, and I've been managing the Hercules project for over 10 years now. Uh, that wow. system uh, can run just about anything you can run on a real IBM mainframe. Uh, and there are several real live, honest to goodness, mainframe operating systems uh, that are, f- are freely available for download. Uh, 
uh, and uh, the mainframe version of Linux runs just fine on it. So, is it was that a project to um, to kind of offset, I guess, the rise of you know the off the shelf type computers as opposed to some of the you know mainframes that we've had in the past? They're probably not so prevalent anymore. Well, actually, it was more a kind of a personal toy. I wanted my own mainframe. <laughs> okay. Uh, I did not write Hercules originally. The guy who did also wanted his own mainframe. And in fact, that's you know that's how we all got together. We all wanted to play with this stuff, and you know eventually we just got to the point where uh, the where Hercules would do anything the real mainframe would, and that's where we wanted to be with it. Hmm. It kind of reminds me of the NetBSD project. Yeah. You know how you got uh, you know the open source feel, the community, people contributing, porting it to different platforms. It's it's got that same kind of vibe to it. And that's true of most open source projects these days. You know, some of them, like Linux, have gotten a little too big to feel like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the the BSDs and the, uh, or at least some of the BSDs, FreeBSD is probably a little too big yet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, NetBSD, uh, OpenBSD, not so much because that's one guy uh, running the project, very much so. Um, glutton you know, and glutton a for lot punishment. Of other open source projects have that kind of feel, and not just operating systems, but mm-hmm. applications and, and yep. you know, less obvious stuff. The, the best example I can think of currently is uh, that uh, there are third party viewer client programs uh, to use with, with Second Life, and those are all open source. Yeah, hmm. yeah, I know. And then the first ten years of Linux, I had that feel where everybody's like, "Oh, look, we got it running on this. Oh, look, we got it running on this, and we can do this with it, and let's put this on there." And so, yeah, that was that was an exciting time, wasn't it? Yep, it was. Um, I actually uh, or had uh, before I lost them in a move. I had some five and a quarter inch floppies with Linux zero dot eleven on it. Oh my! <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been, you know, I haven't really, I wasn't really involved in doing Linux, but I've been poking at it for years. Mm-hmm. Do you like trivia, huh? fun facts, music, and sound effects in under 10 minutes? No. But I do. Mostly trivial. For over five years. With your host, Johnny B. <laughs> Get Mostly Trivial. Okay. The iTunes App Store. Mostly Trivial. It's a great way to support our show. Hey, this is Neil Grayson. I play Douglas Fargo on Eureka, and you're listening to Chuck and Craig. All right, let's shift gears. Have you seen Tron Legacy? Oh, yes. Uh, I've now seen it three times, as a matter of fact. Did you see it in your suit? Did they let you go see it in your suit? No, actually. Um, uh, or The first two times, I didn't try. Uh, the first time, uh, Wired.com got me into a preview showing. So I actually saw it Tuesday before it was released, and that was the viewing on which I based the, the review I wrote for Wired.com. Uh, I then saw it uh, at my local theater, and that was actually kind of disappointing because the sound system stank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's like ours, I know. If you haven't seen Tron Legacy yet, it's well worth doing. Uh, but pick a theater where they actually care about the sound system. It does make a difference. It does. Well, I saw it in IMAX 3D at, at a state-of-the-art theater here in, near my house. 
And I, I, it blew me away. Uh, it was just a, a big eye candy feast. I loved yes, it. Eye and ear candy, both. The, the mm-hmm. preview screening I saw was at the Minnesota Zoo, which has the largest IMAX screen in, in Minnesota. Wow. And it, the, the sound system there has, uh, has 12 kilowatts of output power. Jeez. <laughs> so, what? you know, when, when, when the, they cranked up journeys separate ways, it rattled the floor. <laughs> I'm going. Oh, I love that. I think that spoiled me a little bit because that's the standard mm-hmm. I'm comparing the other theaters to now. That was awesome. I love that scene, by the way. You know, it it may it pulled on my heartstrings because I'm like, oh, I, I used to totally be in a place just like this. And uh huh, I like just about everything about the movie. Um, I, I really think that in many ways it surpasses the original. Really? Yes. You know, the original was groundbreaking, and yeah, you know, when you consider the the that they threw pretty much every last bit of high end. Uh, computer-generated graphics uh, that existed at the time at that movie, it, it's really a, a, an outstanding achievement. No pun intended, every last bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what's missing from the new one, is the bit. Yes. But although you did see a couple of them on uh, Flynn's mantelpiece. Yeah, that's right. Yep. You know, the, the new one had a, had a bit more of a story to tell and told it. Um, and, and also, um, I, I think the acting was, a was somewhat better in the new one. They also, they, they tried to tell a wider story and succeeded. Now, there's been a lot of carping from movie critics around the web and on newspapers about there not being much of a story there and nobody really cares because it's all eye candy. Well, guys, there is a story there. It's simple and it holds, it holds everything together. Yeah, you know, that that they didn't succumb to the temptation to overload it because as as innovative as everything was, if they would tried to cram too much story in the movie, it would have detracted from it. Okay, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And there, yeah, and there's a lot of little fine points that you go, okay, yeah, I, I see why these are coming together. And somebody that's not, or the you know, for the uninitiated, they probably wouldn't catch some of those. So I could see where somebody would overlook the story but at the same time i was going oh i oh, okay i see it totally where this is going right and the other big complaint that i've seen from from the critics is that uh, they weren't particularly enamored of the acting and quite frankly i think they're full of prunes um <laughs> you know I've, I've seen people complain that they could that they couldn't like sam flynn uh, that garrett Hedlund's performance wasn't up to par and i really think they're wrong there I didn't have any trouble. Uh, uh, I didn't have any trouble at all caring about him. Yeah, and the other the other actors, you know, Jeff Bridges. You know, I've seen some complaints about uh, about the the hippie Zen thing being out of place. No, I don't think so. You know, I, I think especially given what he had been through, that it was appropriate. Zen probably was uh, a a way for him to deal with getting stuck inside the computer for a subjective eternity. Yeah, yeah I think it. I found it as he was keeping his balance, you know, between his humanity and the computer world. And on and on and on. You know, Olivia Wilde did a fantastic job, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael Sheen, that part was written to chew the scenery, and he did. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, she did great. She wore that outfit perfectly. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, uh, that too. And, you know, here we get into something that's near and dear to my heart, because... 
Uh, I, you know, people are always asking me if I'm doing a costume for the new movie, and the answer is definitely yes. I was just going to ask that question, so you beat me to it. And and in fact, I know how I plan to go about it. Basically, what I need to do now is just get everything together and do it. Awesome, awesome. Now you got to go to Dragon Con. Well, and <laughs> my goal is to have it ready by PenguinCon this year, which will be the end of April, beginning of May. Oh, you better get moving. Yep. Fortunately, yep. there there's the. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to have to be trolling eBay for for stuff. Uh, so. <laughs> I, I know what I'll need to purchase, and I just need to do it and then get it together. Something tells me you're not going to be the only one. I would expect not. You know, that, the, the design of the costumes in the new movie is such that I think more people will attempt them. More difficult uh, because of the way they went about making the glow. Uh, but also, uh, you know, there are people out there that just will not consider wearing spandex, and the new costumes don't require that. Hey, by the way, me and Chuck actually dressed up for the first time at Dragon Con last year. Okay. We went, <laughs> we, we kind of, it was kind of an easy one, but we went as the men in black. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's pretty easy. Yeah. And you know what? It, the, the cool thing about it was uh, when people would want to take our picture, I'm like, you know, that's kind of fun, you know, standing around taking pictures, kind of posing a little bit. And well, yeah, that was you know, a lot of fun. People are always asking me if, they mi- if I mind if they take my picture. And right. hell no, I don't mind. Besides, if I minded, I wouldn't wear the costume in the first place. Right. That's right. right. <laughs> Have you had people make fun of you because you're wearing it or or anything? You know, people, yeah, uh, there, there's two classes of people. There's the average anonymous commenter on internet websites, and then there are people who meet me in person. I have only ever had one person tell me in person that they didn't think I should be wearing that costume. Take that, and then you look at the at the online comments, and you have uh, people. Uh, yeah, it's it. It isn't uniformly negative anymore. It was at first, but even so, there's a lot of people who will take the anonymity the internet gives them and and feel free to to slam somebody. Yeah, the internet's a big mask, you know. So yeah, it does have that effect on people. But those people, I, I honestly believe that only a tiny fraction, if any at all, of those people would consider walking up to me and telling me the same thing to my face. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I decided very early on in all of this that I wasn't going to be able to change anything anyway. Uh, I wasn't going to be able to run away from it. I couldn't make it go away, so I might as well enjoy it. And that, <laughs> in turn, means mm-hmm. that it's incumbent on me to... Ignore the haters and the, the the anonymous jerks, and just go on and have fun. Yeah, well, more power to you, man. I I think that's a good attitude to have. Well, I, I do want to ask you one more thing. Now, with all the internet fame and all this, and you got on. I know you alluded to it earlier about being on Jimmy Kimmel Live. How was that? Because I mean, you know, from somebody who's very similar to me and Chuck, I you know I haven't really been on TV all the time, and I'm sure you haven't either. And so all of a sudden, you're you're on this show, what, four or five, six times or whatever it was, and, and you've been on some other stuff. So what, what was it all that like? That was a lot of fun because what they would do was, uh, you know, and, and I was on the show 15 times, but I went out there probably 25 or 30. Oh, wow. Okay. And each time, you know, they'd they'd make the travel arrangements, and I'd get, you know, they'd, they'd 
I'd get on an airplane and I'd fly to L.A. and I, I'd get off the airplane and I, you know, typically I'd call my roommate until I'd gotten here and said, okay, this is where I turn into somebody important. And that's really what it was. You know, I'd, I'd walk out, uh, you know, walk off the airplane and, and out to baggage claim and there'd be a guy standing there with a, uh, with a sign with my name on it, and we would collect my my luggage and go to th- this you know chauffeur driven town car, and they'd take me to the to the hotel and put me up in a nice hotel just down the street from the studio, and generally treat me like I was somebody important. I That's really enjoyed cool. doing that. Hey, are you ready for our quiz? Sure. You didn't know there was work on this interview. <laughs> Uh, the first one, the first one's a gimme. I don't even know why we bother putting this on here after our, our conversation. All right, Mac or Windows? <laughs> Mac. Of course, with you, it's it's got to be more like System Thirty Six or AIX. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, I own right. AS Four Hundred. I don't doubt it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, for 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 you, it's more like uh, CPM or. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Right. Actually, don't you? Uh, before you say CPM or Apple II, I'll point out my roommate has an Apple II, and I have a picture of that acting as a mainframe systems console just because I had to. <laughs> That's awesome. I've got one in the basement and right next to my K Pro II. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're among blood, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Okay. Marvel or DC? Uh. You know, I don't really have an opinion on that one. Uh, I I never really was much of a comics person. I think I know the answer to this next one, but I'll ask anyway. iPhone or Droid? iPhone. Ooh, I would have called that the other way, just based on your open source kind of... Well, the, and the reason is that... Well, first off, I, I, bought, uh, I bought the iPhone long before Droid ever existed. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, the iPhone integrates better with the Mac. Well, that's true. And I'm a Mac user instead of a Linux user for my desktop system, my laptop, because those are tools, not toys. I need to be able to, to set them down, plug them in, fire them up, and go to work. Okay. And I thought this last one would be obscure, but based on earlier conversations, I know it's going <laughs> to resonate. VI or Emacs? <laughs> Either. Neither. Neither. Oh, <laughs> he didn't answer any of these like we planned. <laughs> um, I... And the reason for that is that I use an editor called Joe, and this yep. stretches back to my CPM days because I did a lot of programming in WordStar. <laughs> oh dear yeah. lord! So my fingers, you know, my fingers are programmed for WordStar. Yep. And and Emacs can't be made to act like WordStar, and VI doesn't ever try. Well, Joe can. See, my fingers are programmed for VI. So you can't. There's no. There's no. Uh thing for Emacs to, to convert the keyboard strokes or anything? Uh, there is actually a pretty good WordStar mode for Emacs, but it only okay. works in edit windows. You can't change the entire program to use that set of key binding. Oh, I see. Okay. I, I had a friend try pretty hard to convert me not all that long ago. <laughs> I can only imagine how that conversation went. <laughs> I, and yeah. in fact, I'm going to drop a name because the friend is Eric Raymond, open source. Oh, yeah, Eric. Okay, cool. Very cool. Eric and I go back about 20 years. Hmm. Well, that explains why you have a floppy with, what, 0.11 or whatever it was you said, <laughs> Linux. Yep. All right, Jay, tell the listener where they can find out more about you and your Alter Ego Tron guy. 
Well, they can find out all about me at uh, tronguy.net, and it's all there. Very cool. awesome. Hey, thanks a lot. Sure, no problem at all. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, we'll be in touch in case you get to EAA or Dragon Con or something. Love to hang out with you. Okay, very good. Take care, Jay. Jay, it's a lot, a lot of fun, Jay. Have a good one. Bye. That's all for this episode of Interface to Face. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find us at chuckchat.com along with several other great podcasts or search for Interface to Face on iTunes to have the show automatically delivered as new shows come out. Theme music provided by George Wood, and you can find him and his music at podsafeaudio.com. Want to get in touch with us? Got ideas for people in science and sci-fi you think we should talk to? Send your emails and comments to interface2face at chuckchat.com or follow us on Twitter at interface2face. We'll be back where we'll interface to face for you.